I want to start by talking about a, a year, 1968, whether you were alive or not. But if you were not, 1968 was a year of difficult news and dramatic events and great losses. There were things like a hostage crisis, there were unprovoked attacks in the world, there was warfare, there was the uh, ongoing uh, tragedies in Vietnam, there was a pandemic that killed anywhere from one to four million people that year, and on the streets of America there were anti-war protests, there were civil war marches, civil rights marches, there were acts of political violence, and of course there were also the assassinations of some high-profile people like Robert F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. And this is back before the days of obviously smartphones and instant Twitter and you would turn on the television or you would grab the newspaper the next day and it just seemed like an unending line of heartache. Every week seemed to bring another tragedy. And for many people of faith, it actually left people a little bit shaken and abandoned or even feeling let down. And one of the questions that was asked that year was, where are you, God? And certainly that question has been asked in certain years more than others. But that was one of the significant questions in 1968. Enter Christmas Eve of that year, the very end, and there are three men sitting in a capsule above... Um, the moon. They're orbiting the moon. This is Apollo 8, and Apollo 8 was a critical pretest before the moon landing that would happen the following year. And this is what the three astronauts saw as they looked back from Earth. And on Christmas Eve, into millions of homes, these were the words that were broadcast. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters, the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And then the broadcast ended with, And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you all of you on this good earth. This was 1968. Consider that moment after a year that left so many people reeling. For every other human apart from those three men, it felt like the world was circling the drain that year. But from above, these three actually saw a different perspective that no one else could see in that moment a different perspective of the earth. They saw light shining all over the surface, illuminating it all. A reminder that the same God who created this world still holds it all together in spite of its profound brokenness, pain, and suffering. God is not thrown off course by the forces of this world. And... 
God is also moved by our experience of pain and heartache. It moves the heart of God. In this series that we've been looking at, The Last Supper on the Moon, today we come to the final miracle that John records. It's considered the greatest of the seven signs that he includes in his gospel, the raising of Lazarus. So if you have a Bible this morning, then you can feel free to take it out. You can open it up to John chapter 11, or you can pull it up on your phone, or you can look at the words projected on the screen, or you can even close your eyes and listen as we read. I want to read the entire story today. I don't do this every week. Some weeks we just take a little snippet. But I think that this story is so important that we need to hear it from start to finish before we say anything else. So let me read John 11 this morning. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. kind of smiling as I read that verse. Verse 13, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, 
If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And the final verse for today, therefore, Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him.
I want to pray quickly. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word today. And we pray now in this moment that you would open the eyes of our hearts to understand you more. Help us to make sense of this life, O oh Lord, especially when we feel let down. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we know that we will experience struggle and heartache on this planet and in this life. And we also know that it is possible to encounter joy in the midst of difficulty. You can experience gladness amid grief and even hope amid pain. But when you're right in the middle of it, there are going to be times where you feel like God has let you down. And so we have to ask ourselves, what can we do in those painful moments? And as we reflect on this final sign in this story, we see this on display in this family. Mary and Martha's home was just a couple of miles from Jerusalem, so Jesus would be welcomed regularly there, invited to stay. It would have been a great home base, so he could be just a little bit outside of Jerusalem. I'm sure that he had shared many meals and conversations with this family, stories and hopes and dreams, because that's what Jesus did. He ate with people and he shared life a lot of the time. Jesus had become good friends with this family. And so when they send word that their brother is ill and close to death, they probably assume that Jesus would drop everything and run there to see him. But when they needed him most, Jesus does what? He ends up staying right where he is. And not just staying right where he is, but it says staying for how long? Two more days. When that messenger came back empty-handed and spoke to those sisters, you can imagine them saying, where's Jesus? And the messenger says, well, all he told me is that if you believe, you'll see God's glory. Cryptic, I know, I know. And they're probably like, what does that mean? You mean he's not coming? Where is he? If you were either of those sisters, or maybe even the people that were close to this family, how could you not feel let down in that moment? I know I would. If I had sent word that someone I love is very sick, and that person that I reach out to just ghosts me, I would feel let down and disappointed. I would be confused. And you might even be angry. What are you doing? Why aren't you here? What do you do when it feels like God has let you down? We know what we do when people let us down. Sometimes some good things and sometimes some not so good things. But when God lets us down, or we feel this. We think, Lord, I've prayed so hard. I'm pleading for your help, for an answer. 
it's like you just hear crickets. I see a couple things in the story that I think that we can lean into. I don't know if this will necessarily help you when you feel let down by people in your life. It may. But I do know that it will help us when we feel like God has let us down. Three things. On the back of your bulletin, just three simple little words. The first thing is hold up. Hold up. This is not just an internet meme, although it is. Hold up. Wait a minute. When it comes to God, it means we learn not to jump to conclusions about how God is at work in the world or in your life. Hold up. Wait a minute. When we experience God speak or act in surprising ways, maybe they're unexpected or they're downright disappointing ways, can we learn to take a minute, a pause, before everything else happens? Unlike those astronauts on Apollo 8, we can't see the whole picture. We can't see the whole world at one time. All we have is what we can see right in front of us. Sometimes we react well, and other times not so much. In times of disappointment, it is hard to trust your sight. Tears or anger make it hard to hold up, even for a minute. It can be especially hard for us as our fight or flight instincts kick in and we usually want to do things like rise up or we want to hole up in the corner. Maybe you can identify with some of this. Maybe you get a little warmer as that heat rises within you when you feel disappointed or let down and it becomes harder to see straight as your mind interprets what you have heard or experienced. Or maybe you're more like a person that hears that disappointing news and you shrink back and you just want to crawl into a hole. Some of you know what I'm saying. And maybe it even hits a little or a lot close to home as you consider how you respond. When it comes to God speaking in ways that don't always make sense to us or that we can't understand, it can leave us feeling disoriented and adrift in this world. I can't believe he didn't show up. It's been days now. I thought he loved us. If he was only here, doesn't he care about us? You can imagine that and perhaps other thoughts and conversations happening in that household. But hold up. Jesus says this will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. When I read that, it actually reminded me of the previous sign. When the man who was born blind, it's it says that it, this happened not because of sin, but so that people would be able to see the works of God. And I remember we had this conversation and said, so if you were that guy to find out that you've been suffering your whole life for just that moment, it seems a little unfair. I felt a little bit of this when I read this story again. That this guy had to die and these people had to experience all this pain 
so that God can make a point. That was my first reaction. Now Jesus had provided a response, albeit it was brief and probably wholly unsatisfying to these sisters. It must have felt pretty disappointing when he didn't show up, regardless of what he had just said, even saying this won't end in death. If it was me, all I would hear is the disappointment and, and I wouldn't see Jesus there and it would just make me feel down. And this is something difficult that you might need to hear today. You might feel justifiably disappointed by how things have turned out or are working out. You might feel let down by the Lord or the answer is not what you want to hear. And it might even look like the end. You might not even be at a place where you can see the light or feel the light of God's glory or even understand his way at all. But know that even if you have tears or anger or anything in between, God still loves you. He still cares for you. And his presence is always near you. When I'm in tears, or when my nostrils are flared, those moments of really heightened emotion, that's when I need those reminders the most. Sometimes I wish that I had those reminders two seconds earlier before I opened my mouth. Don't we wish that we had a rewind or a pause button where we can take our foot out? Even when you can't feel him, he has not abandoned you because we can never know exactly or see exactly what God is going to do next. All he does is invite us to hold up and continue to trust him. Now, if that's a hard first response, then the second might be more agreeable to your palate. Speak up. Some of you have no problem with that. Most of us, if we're honest, we'll speak up, but not always in the best ways. I, I saw, I saw a little, uh, I saw a little shoulder rub there. So that, that was a, that was a very knowing action. What we can learn to do when God has let us down, or we feel like God has let us down, we're encouraged actually to speak up, to speak up to God. And, be, and to be honest about what we're feeling. Honest, heartfelt communication is vital to your relationship with the Lord. In fact, God can take it. Read through the book of Psalms and you will see that God can take just about anything that you can throw at him. You might even have some choice words that you would never want to say here, but you might be able to say them to God and he can still take it. Believe me. Here Martha lets Jesus know how she feels. Lord, if you had just been here. She speaks up about how she feels, the depth of her emotion. And she speaks up that she still has hope that he can do something. I like this particular picture. This is from one of the, um, this is from the Lumo Project. They did a whole uh, Bible journey on video. I just like the emotion of this uh, woman as she speaks and pleads with Jesus. 
because Martha has hope and she's actually shared her heart with the Lord, Jesus actually shares words back with her. And he says those most famous words, I am the resurrection and the life. And how does she respond? She responds with faith, even though she doesn't understand and doesn't have all the answers. And she's still sad. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. That's one sister. The other sister, Mary, she also speaks up about how she really feels. In fact, she says the same thing as her sister. Lord, if you had only been here, then our brother wouldn't be dead. And then she falls to her feet and sobs. The tears of grief flow out. And Jesus, what does he do? He sees her. He sees the tears, the cries of her and the people that are around her. And his heart of compassion for her grows or reveals itself. Like some of the other miracles, he already knows what he's going to do. He knows he's going to rise, that Lazarus will rise from the dead in a minute. But first, before that moment, his spirit is troubled. His heart is moved. And he too feels a depth of emotion that overwhelms him at that moment. And he weeps. He's not afraid to show what's in his heart. Because knowing what needs to happen or what you're going to do up here in your mind does not cancel out what you feel in here in your heart. Thankfully so, because we are not robots without a heart. We are not the Tin Man if we only had a heart. I thank God that he made us this way. And he shows it as he's deeply moved in spirit. And this deep emotion that Jesus feels actually moves him to act. I don't know if he was planning to do everything that he then does in quite this way, but somehow he's moved to act. And what does he do? He actually invites the people to participate in the work that he is about to do. Take away the stone, he says. And if that's the word that God speaks in that moment, I'm not so sure that my brain wouldn't think the same thing as some of the people there. What good is that going to do? All that's going to do is make us have to smell something awful right now. Four days in the Judean heat. No thanks. Martha reminds him of that. God, did you, Jesus, did you forget that he's been dead four days? And Jesus is like, you let me worry about that. Can you trust me enough? Faith is not a one-time act, but a growing relationship of trust. And when Jesus says, did I not say that if you believe you will see the glory of God, he actually means it. Jesus will do the impossible. He will focus on what you cannot, on what we cannot. Yet he calls you to do what he already knows you are able to do. He invites you to participate in the amazing work of God in your particularly unique way.
when we speak up and are honest with God, this is at least part of what is possible. So speak up in the way that God can hear. Lastly, when we feel like God has let us down, we can learn to look up. Sneeze up. No, we can learn to look up. As the stone was moved, it says Jesus lifted his eyes up and spoke out loud so that all the people would know and believe that God the Father had sent him to earth to be and do all that they had seen. And the people, as Jesus prays this out loud, if you've ever doubted that praying out loud can make a difference, well, it does make a difference. It actually motivates the people to look up from their wailing and their grief. And they see Jesus command Lazarus, come out. When it feels like God has let you down, don't forget to look up. You might be in the midst of just downcast eyes at that moment, in the grip of pain and grief, but don't forget to look up. Because in the midst of pain and difficulty and suffering and sickness and death, you have an opportunity to lift up your eyes to see God at work. In the midst of tears, you can also see the hope of glory. Now, Jesus is the only one who can raise the dead. But he invited the people to take off those grave clothes, to unbind his head, to free him from everything that was keeping him bound, removing all of those signs of death which were no longer necessary. And that is what Jesus does for you. Unshackles you, unbinds you, removes all that would keep you stuck in the grave. You see, Jesus can even restore to life what seems dead to you right now with no hope. As you think about your most difficult moments and this reminder to look up, where do you begin to see the work of God being carried out in your life? And even more than that, how might God be inviting you to participate in that work? That's what God does. He's an inviting God. He chooses to use us, sometimes in spite of us, to participate. And through your participation in the work of God, God not only lifts your eyes, but he lifts your spirit. When you feel let down by God, hold up, speak up, look up. For when you're in the middle of it, only the glory of God can soothe your soul, heal your heart, restore your body, and renew your spirit. The very first week, I shared a verse from Psalm 89. It refers to the moon as the faithful witness in the sky sitting up there as a sign that God maintains all his promises 
Every time you lift your eyes to the heavens, be reminded that God will accomplish all he has promised, both in this world and in you. We sing about how God is unchanging, and when we look at the moon, we see something, at least when I look at it, it hasn't changed in my entire life. Maybe there's a few little aliens up there, we don't know. But it's unchanging, a sign in the sky that God is in control, his authority is sure, and his care is complete. And as far as God is concerned, if you are here, then he is not done. And he's not done with you. In the meantime, we await the day when we actually get to stand in the presence of God. Every tear wiped away, finally seeing his glory face to face. And we can say praise be to God. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this most dramatic miracle. Raising your friend back to life. And those other miracles that are no less important, those responses of faith and those responses of the heart. Lord, we thank you for the way we can lift our eyes up even amidst tears and trembling and see your work, your presence, your glory. May it be a constant reminder that you are here. You're not yet finished. My friends, if you are hurting today, then you can lift your eyes and heart to the Lord and be honest with him. You can say, Lord, I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I don't know what to do. But I'm choosing to look to you. Help me to see your face, O oh Lord friends know that in this moment God sees you. He hears you. He is with you. Thank you, O Jesus. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked, do you believe this? Friends, may God be your comfort and your strength. May God be your hope and support. May God be your light and your way. Go now with God's blessing to love and serve one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Church, have a wonderful week. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.